The world is ever changing and sometimes we just need a helping hand. Hey, it's one more about the Rama. New apps here, new tech there, it's all very exciting. But it's nice to have something you can count on. Like insurance from State Farm. ¿Tienes preguntas sobre tu seguro? Con State Farm puedes llamar a tu agente o conectar con ellos. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're anything like me, you're booked and busy. From family duties and work responsibilities to catching up on your favorite shows and podcasts. Yes, like Wrestling with Freddie. With me, Freddie Prince Jr. With all the responsibilities we have, it's always nice to have someone in your corner. That's why State Farm is there for you with your auto and home insurance needs, helping you protect the things you love and helping you save money. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. State Farm, proud sponsor of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. The Custard TV Podcast. Um, I'm Luke from the website, thecustardtv.com. On a glorious weather-wise Saturday as we record. I always think that takes me back to my when I wanted to be the radio DJ. Because people don't talk about the weather on podcasts. I don't know why I felt the need to mention that it's hot and sunny, but it is. Um, how are you anyway, Sarah? You're here this week, aren't you? I am here. I am coming to you live from the Staffordshire area. Oh, so am I. Where, where, really? Where, yeah. Oh, where I'm, are you in I'm, in, I'm in Litchfield. Ah, oh, okay. So it's still quite far away. Listen to how annoyed he sounded at that. Well, I thought <laughs> you might be closer <laughs> than that. Staffordshire is a massive county. But no, Litchfield's very nice. Very twee. It's nice as, as a tourist. It's very busy today, as you can imagine. Everyone's out for ice creams. Mm-hmm. Moved gonna, in with uh, the parents. <laughs> Just going to say, I got locked out as well. So I've, I've got real um, 13 years old vibes going on this afternoon. <laughs> how tempted were you to go through a window? Were you at that point where you thought, I could probably squeeze through a window? What, with these hips? No, not with these COVID kilos. <laughs> <laughs> That's a phrase that Weight Watchers haven't picked up on yet. They can have it. COVID kilos? Isn't, isn't it just called WW now, by the way? They've got oh, rid of Weight Watchers. Have you not seen the adverts with James Corden and, and Moxie no. Mabusi? No, I, I don't tend yeah. to watch many adverts, to be honest. Yeah, but, yeah, no, they've rebranded now, so it's just WW. Well, that was an opener <laughs> of sorts, wasn't it? I'll have to do. Luke and Matt. This could be a podcast. A podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, Definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use your ears and trust them. This is the Custard TV podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. On this week's podcast, we will be reviewing brand new BBC One drama, Time, with Stephen Graham and uh, Sean Bean. Uh, We're also going to be discussing the return of Feel Good over on Netflix, Channel 4's Scandi-inspired Before We Die, uh, a couple of episodes of Inside Number 9, and We Are Lady Parts on uh, Channel 4 in the UK, and uh, oddly Peacock in the US, if you're a US listener. Where would we like to start with our podcast about television? And don't all put your hand up at once. Oh, I don't, I don't, you make the decision, Luke. Go okay. On. You always we ask will, us. We will do time as it's the most recent to air. It started on Sunday 
on the BBC and they are putting, as is their will, uh, all three episodes of the series up on the iPlayer following Sunday night at nine. So, uh, Matt, you said you saw this most recently. Do you want to walk us through what is a very Jimmy McGovern, Jimmy McGovern drama? Sean Bean, as a, um, a teacher, Mark Cobden, who is in prison for the first time. He has killed someone, I believe, in a, a drunk a drunk driving accident, I think we were That's meant to right. believe. The first episode sort of primarily centres around him trying to get adjusted to life in prison, surrounded by people who are more experienced at, at it than him, who've been inside several times before. We also meet um, Eric McNally, played by Stephen Graham, who is a seasoned prison guard his story is is that his son is also incarcerated in a prison but he is being blackmailed by one of the inmates in the prison where he works and is threatening his son so those are the two sort of main stories it's not a sort of densely plotted piece really it's more as you say very jimmy mcgovern scene setty sort of in the in the sort of shoes of these two primary characters yeah it's character led it's put like you just said putting the audience in their shoes it's basically luke luke central this is this is sort of you know luke's fantasy drama where everything is bleak and gritty and real and human and all those words he uses well i won't bother reviewing Because all my words have just been used. Oddly, uh, the family and I, who I still speak to and live with, have been watching Broken, the last BBC One Jimmy McGovern long-running drama with Sean Bean as the priest, which I had sort of a, a sort of an on-and-off relationship when we uh, watched it on the pod, but then we watched it, as I say, as a family, six episodes in a row pretty much. And I thought it was a bit of a masterpiece, and I was wrong when I reviewed it on the podcast. Uh, And what struck me with Time, this new Jimmy McGovern drama, is how good of an actress Sean Bean is, really, because I haven't seen him in an awful lot. I'm not a Game of Thrones fan. I didn't see him in that. I never really was a fan of Sharp all those years ago. I liked him in the Warburton ads. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it's not a, you know, it didn't test him. The Yorkshire Tea adverts as well. Yes, and as yeah. well, yeah. He's, he's not got a bad choice when it comes to ads. But here I thought he was a real revelation because in Broken he is this, as the title of that would suggest, he's this broken priest trying to help people with their lives. And here he is a similar sort of character but felt completely different. And before he even opens his mouth, you feel like you know who he is. He is the everyman. He's timid. He's obviously petrified with the life he's going to be living for the next X amount of years. He is the audience member who is thrown into this world that they don't want to be in, that they feel uncomfortable with, that they don't understand the rules of. Jimmy McGovern, what I've always liked about him is he can, as Matt says, set scenes and set a world within 30 seconds. And somehow it just feels organic and real and tense and scary before the the action as it were even starts Stephen Graham as well he gives a very Stephen Graham-esque performance but it might be the best he's been since the virtues because he's this again as Jimmy likes to write these every man this relatable character who's trying to do a job that he he's respected for to the degree that he understands and that he 
kind of rules and then when his son is put in a similar situation as all the prisoners he works alongside he suddenly feels as vulnerable as all the other prisoners do and his son's put at risk also Hannah Walters his real life wife is in there thanks to Covid I think and the two have a really believable obviously believable chemistry as husband and wife and that gels really well there's there's a lot going on in this episode and obviously I loved it. I really <laughs> thought it was cleverly done, really tense and and you know it's been filmed with all this COVID-19 structure in place but it didn't take away mm. from it. It felt really claustrophobic and tense and people were really in the faces and that's thanks to the direction from Lewis Arnold who we last saw in Des on ITV. I thought it was the kind of drama that I obviously like and the kind of thing I bemoan the BBC for not doing enough of. I I really thought it worked brilliantly. I I get a bit disappointed that it is only a three because I I sort of go, Mm. there's enough here to to warrant, you know, maybe a six-part series, but there's a reason clearly it's three. But I get a bit disappointed because there's so little on the BBC at the moment that I can really get excited about and sink my teeth into and you get this and then you think there's only two episodes left already how can that be but yeah I highly recommend it it was gonna have to do some awful things for me not to like it I thought it was yeah it was it was very much made for you wasn't it Mm. I was put off watching it as I knew it would be bleak it would be grim and of course it's bleak and grim of course because of the subject matter and the fact that Jimmy McGovern knows so much about prison. He's run writing workshops in prison. He wants people to see exactly what it's like. But you care about the characters because of the writing and the amazing cast. Sean Bean, I've never seen him like this before. I've never seen him so... It's a strange performance, isn't so it? So small. He, it's like he's timid. made himself smaller and timid and vulnerable on the screen in a way that you can't imagine, you know, the guy who played Ned Stark doing. And, of course, Stephen Graham can do no wrong. I think he's marvellous. He's really made his, his name as a guy who is dangerous and violent, but also really warm. So I like to see that we are seeing his sort of, like, warm every man bit and then towards mm. the end of this episode when he realised he's really against it that's when you see that sort of rage bubble over I don't know if you remember his episode of Accused which also starred Stephen Graham and was written by Jimmy McGovern but he in that obviously he was playing the um, the transvestite wasn't he and um, when he wasn't the transvestite he was this sort of timid man wasn't he, was he? this school teacher school oh, teacher yeah. as well yeah, so that right, that's what yeah. that reminded me of. You know, his alter ego in that, his, you know, his everyday life. Um, the supporting cast as well, mm. um, because I've forgotten the lady's name, but she was in Happy Valley. Javon Finnery. Yeah, she's playing Mary Louise, the nun from the prison chaplaincy. And the guy who was Mark's cellmate, Bernard, was, was great as well, like in a uh, horrific Was that a new in Bernard? Bernard? Yes. Bernard? That's right, yeah, yeah. yeah. He plays this paranoid panicked person who just looks like a complete nutball but in that first exchange that he has with sean bean he actually succinctly explains the prison industrial complex in a few (laughs) words (laughs) (laughs) he's not daffy says they they come here bad and go out worse everyone knows it you know Mm. it's like society is bought into this lie about prison having a purpose and, and bernard is the one who tells us that it has 
serves no purpose at all whatsoever, apart from making people worse. Seemingly, everyone bar Sean Bean's character has been in prison before. <laughs> Every, yeah. Everyone yeah. else is is like, you know, they know how to sort of play the system and, you know, keep their head down or, yeah. you know, get in with someone. And I think, obviously, you know, Sean Bean playing this character is in his 50s and has led quite a normal life, as we're led to believe. You know, he's separated, he's got a son, he's got a good relationship with his parents. I agree with you to an extent that I did enjoy those scenes where it's Sean Bean, you know, trying to get used to the prison, seeing the world through his eyes. The, the scene I really liked was the um, the visiting scene. Yes, I, yeah, I that think was that, beautiful. Yeah, because you saw the anticipation, the sort of the joy in all the different prisoners' faces, mm. and then the sort of disappointment when they sort of called time and everything like that, and then you just saw the room I, I would say it runs deeper than that, mm. because we saw those people as prisoners, and then we saw them in that visiting room as human beings, actual human men. And then as soon as those people go, those those people who are a good influence on their lives, they the have to put that front back, back on. They have to put the armour back yeah. on. And Mark, Sean Bean's character, doesn't have any. And I don't understand. I know that he's led a good life, a normal life up to this point, and he's in his 50s. But how can you be facing a long prison sentence and go in so naive? You've got to have a game plan if you're going to go to prison. It's basically what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm getting an insight into what Sarah's planning for the, <laughs> the next phase of her life. You've got to have goals and aspirations, haven't you? Yeah. I'm desperate to see Mark stand up for himself because he's he's antagonised a particular... But then, but then know, I'm with you, but then also I worry that he's going to put himself in hotter water and yeah. end up in a longer sentence. By the, and well, then, especially if he gets a kettle pulled the... over him like the other yeah. lads. That's definitely yeah. some hot water. I suppose the bits that didn't gel for me as much with the Stephen Graham subplot, you know, that's where it sort of became a little bit more generic, a little bit more stuff I've seen before. That needed an awful lot of explanation to put that mm. plot in place. Mm, it whereas, wasn't as natural as the no, other one. No, it wasn't as, as Luke used the word organic. It didn't feel yeah. as organic. It's like we've got no. this other name actor and we need to give him his own plot as well as his interactions within the prison. And actually, I think if they had focused on this one aspect, you know, this man who had led this good life and didn't know anything about the prison system, I think it would have flowed better i think it you sort of got jerked every time you know you had this story where it's stephen graham on his own and although the the scene at the end where he and several armed guards go for the guy who threatened his son was quite powerful i i agree with you it does feel like it should be more than three episodes whether you know that they are planning to do this as a sort of a continuing thing because presumably it would be interesting to see his progression in prison over the four mm. years very um, much so. But yeah, I, I agree with you. Very good. Very Jimmy McGovern-y. What will you do, Sarah? Will you eke it out or will you take advantage of it being on the iPlayer? I am disappointed that it's on the iPlayer. I can see exactly why they're doing it and they're doing it more and more, which you often talk about. But it feels like something that you do. It feels like something that would be appointment viewing on a Sunday night and it, it yeah. disappoints me, especially because they're coming off the back of Line of Duty. They need people to be sitting there by their TVs ready and waiting for nine o'clock on a Sunday night. I will never disagree with you about that. Time is all there on the iPlayer now, should you want to watch it that way, or if you want to do it the proper way, it's on BBC One, nine o'clock on Sunday night. Let's stick in the drama space, if we may, and we're a bit late to the party on this one, mainly because we didn't do a podcast last week, so we're going to talk about Channel 4's Before We Die, 
before we forget we even watched it. Uh, Sarah, <laughs> can you walk us through this? This is a remake of an original Swedish series, which is much loved. People tell me it is brilliant and compelling, and it is available on uh, all four via Walter uh, Presents. And I think we reviewed it back in the day. I think me and Gary reviewed it when it was yeah. on Walter Presents. I, I'll, I'll come to this um, you know, completely honestly and tell you that remakes are never good. But Leslie Sharp is in this, so how yeah. bad can it be? So she plays D.I. Hannah Lang, who is having an affair with her fellow cop, Sean. He goes missing. Via an extraordinary and nonsensical TV miracle, she finds the shop he was stood in front of when he was abducted and his burner phone. Uh, she gets in, in touch with his contact, who is someone called Izzy, to find out what sort of trouble he's gotten into and where he's gone. The trouble is a Croatian crime family, and that trouble is doubled as Sean's snitch is Hannah's dodgy son, Christian, who is trying to make odds. amends after being released from prison sentenced for drug dealing. Despite Sean's human piñata torture scenes and his execution just as he's managed to escape, this show is bloodless. It is so bland, some of the acting is so wooden, it feels like it's been dubbed from the original Swedish. I know that Wallander was really a very successful remake, but that was back in before times when people bristled at the mention of subtitled foreign dramas as like boring or too difficult. Wallander isn't my bag, mainly because I don't like Kenneth Branagh drinking and crying all the time. It's not my kink. Uh, uh, but I don't, remember, <laughs> I don't remember uh, Wallander ever feeling this out of place. I thought when the camera pans over the cityscape at the beginning, honestly, I thought that was Scandinavia. It is it set in Bath or Bristol or somewhere it's like that? It's meant to be Bristol. Bristol. Maybe because you don't get a shot of the bridge until like the, the closing scenes of the first episode. It didn't, it felt out of place. Everything about it is disconnected and fake and unsettling and jarring. And it's all just little bits that add up to not a very good programme. The Why whole would... thing was like, a, was like a sort of dodgy plywood set that's about to wobble and fall over, you know? And I, I don't understand what Leslie Sharp's doing there. And, and have no idea. Love Leslie Sharp, and it's good to see her. Anytime she's on screen, it's good to see her. But she seems to be mm. sort of swimming through treacle there. a little bit here mm. in terms yeah. of what she's been given. Um, I suppose I the good thing is that we are seeing someone who I think she's in her early sixties, and she's I playing, you know, a, she's playing a policewoman of the same sort of age, a detective of the same age, and that is brilliant. Like we should definitely be seeing. Mm more roles for older women on TV, especially in positions of power like a detective, Just, you know, but... No one had any chemistry with each other no. either. You didn't believe her relationship with her son. You, I didn't believe her relationship with the guy who used to be in Corrie who died at the end. None of the officers were particularly memorable for me. There was long periods of, of just silence, which didn't <laughs> seem to work. So weird. Are they um, are my favourite bits. <laughs> <laughs> I did think that the guy who's playing Christian, her son, he tried his damnedest. He really tried. I believed that he was worried and, and shocked and yeah, trying to do his best for Sean, you know, but... There were bits of this that didn't make any... There's bits of this that didn't make any sense at all to me. Why was Sean so pally with their son i didn't understand they didn't explain that at all they didn't no. explain their relationship none of it made any sense it was just like they knew that was the plot and they had to do it 
Well, I think to answer that question, I, how I read it was that it was the bond of trust that they had between them, and I think if he but felt... But why that did it, they it, have that trust? Why, why were they even connected? It's what I couldn't understand. Because he was in a relationship with his mum, and no, he but was... they never of... talked about that. It was just about... Yeah. He's groomed him out of prison, but they never mm-hmm. talked about... But they showed him meeting him in prison as well, I believe, didn't they? Did yeah, they, or yeah, am I just making yeah. that up? I, I think I he think was just a positive male role model i think he was a colleague of his mum's maybe that she didn't know he was in a relationship but they were colleagues weren't they as well he'd almost been sent there as like this positive male role model and they forged this bond well wouldn't it make more sense for you know if if that is if that is true and you're probably right for leslie sharp to say look i trust you go in Go into prison, make sure but my. Do son... you have to be told everything, Luke? Can you not? Sort yes, because I, I didn't. Things? I didn't understand. The show yeah. was so cold and so basic <laughs> that I didn't get. Yeah. I didn't understand the connection. The Croatian family. Um, they just. I don't believe any of the. Whenever families like that are brought in, there's this menacing. Don't mess with us. They just. They, they all feel the same. They don't. They don't feel. <laughs> genuinely scary they just feel like it was very pantomime where they're all sitting around a table together like at the restaurant having dinner it just looked like the adams family yeah channel four have had a good track record they don't make a lot of dramas but i had a lot of time for dead water fell we obviously all enjoyed adult material they don't make a lot but what they do they make make two or three years something like that what they do make is normally discussion worthy and stuff and I did listen to another podcast talk about that, and all they talked about was... You ever heard the phrase, the more things change, the more things stay the same? And while we love the excitement of new things, it's also nice to have the reliability of something constant. Hey, it's Wilmer Valderrama, and when it comes to insurance, State Farm is a good neighbor you can count on. Solo llama a tu agente. Another way State Farm helps is by supporting the creators and storytellers of the Michael Tuda Podcast Network family. Con la ayuda de State Farm, estamos ayudando y asegurándonos de que nuestras voces sean escuchadas. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. If you're anything like me, you're booked and busy. From family duties and work responsibilities to catching up on your favorite shows and podcasts. Yes, like Wrestling with Freddie, with me, Freddie Prinz Jr. With all the responsibilities we have, it's always nice to have someone in your corner. That's why State Farm is there for you with your auto and home insurance needs, helping you protect the things you love and helping you save money. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. State Farm, proud sponsor of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. How good Leslie Sharp is, and she sort of is, but... My mum was watching this at one point and said she's a very weak actress, in which I oh. really... But, no. but I nearly turned around to her and smacked her with the remote because what she didn't realise was <laughs> it was not it was not a weak actress. It's a weak mm. script and a weak oh, performance yeah. she's having to give because the character is so thin. Yeah. I mean, she's and... someone I'm watching, and it, I mean, she's so oh. good, and she's not. God, I mean, yes. she's not. You know, when was the last time we saw her in anything? I'm I, just I... going to ask you this: three girls, oh. probably. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And before that, Scott and Bailey, I'm presuming. Yes. I think so, yeah. yeah. Before that, that was 2016, wasn't it? Right. So cold. So That's the only word I could... When you think about... Mm. And I'm going to use this a lot in every podcast from now on, but when you think about how Mayor of East Town set up that world, 
It was so, even though what was going on was so bleak and depressing and awful, it was such a warm welcome into a show. And this was cold from the very second and it never warmed up. Uh, it's uh, very strange. I mean, imagine casting Leslie Sharp and then giving us such bog-standard mm. dull material. Yeah, it's it's an absolute clunker. Before We Die is all there on all four or airs on Wednesdays at nine on Channel 4. Let's have a talk about lady parts. <laughs> Shall we be honest with the listeners and, and tell them that you couldn't review it the other week because I was busy moving house? Well, I, I and you felt did, like you didn't it was go, wrong. You, you didn't want to go into lady parts by yourself. You needed me with you to hold your hand. We needed our lady, I think. Yeah. <laughs> to walk us through the importance of the part. And I, I think, actually, this is going to be a very interesting review. Let's just... Yeah. <laughs> So yeah. this is a comedy on Channel 4 by Nida Manzor. She was inspired by This Is Spinal Tap and The Young Ones. It's an all-female Muslim punk band. Um, they need another guitarist for a Battle of the Bands competition called Sound Smash. <clears throat> Against her better nature and at the extremely shy good girl Amina, who teaches acoustic guitar and whose guilty passion is folk music, gets roped in and adventures NCU. Suddenly being in a band for her is almost as important as finding a husband. These women are all rebels of a sort, but they're all women of faith in their own way and how they practice their religion, love each other and exist in society is totally ordinary and at the same time, totally subversive. This is not something like you've ever seen on TV before and I can assure you of that. Some of the women are hijabis. Then there's the badass weed smoking manager, Mumtaz in a niqab. She wears spike bracelets and fingerless gloves. She works in a sex shop and she may have committed arson once. She's always veiled so we can see only her eyes, which makes the acting even more astounding. She's my absolute favourite. Um, but there's all these wonderful examples of different strong women who are all Muslim, but are all very independent and different. And I think it's marvellous. They're all best friends. And the programme just pokes fun at Muslim stereotypes, but in a funny and cheerful way, in a way that it feels OK for non-Muslim people to laugh too. Um, I found out that the actors in the show all play their own instruments, which is very punk, DIY-spirited. Some of the songs include Voldemort under my headscarf and Nobody's Gonna Honour Kill My Sister But Me, which is just brilliant. Um, and then I loved when they were all sitting in... Um, Mumtaz's Uber together singing oh, I'm going to be 5,000 miles by the Proclaimers which was a great Bill and Ted moment I think like this programme was made for me probably women my age and maybe a bit younger because I love comedy I love punk I love women subverting expectations I also like you know the sort of silly gross comedies like Friday Night Dinner and The Inbetweeners and I love learning about other people's lives and cultures and customs. Frankly, this programme was made for me and it is outstanding. I've not seen a comedy like it in years and I love it. And I am trying to eke it out. It's all available on all four, but I just want to eke it out as a treat on like a special day. That's how much I love it. And now for Luke's opinion on the other I did not like this. Every second of this for me was torture. I'd seen two episodes i found it painful i just i don't believe a second of it i just think it's it's something that a commissioner if somebody came to a commissioner with this they'd have been rubbing their hands together going exactly we want a show about a muslim punk band but for me it just doesn't ring remotely true and then when why, it does why try, is that though luke i feel like they were manufactured 
for the show rather than people that would have organically existed. I don't believe this punk band or anything like it would, would be out there. It just feels like something somebody's come up with. This would be a fun idea. But for me, it doesn't translate on screen. It just they it feels so clunky. There are bits that are like fantasy sequences that don't gel with the rest of it. I found her narration really irritating. I couldn't relax into it. It just feels puerile and childish. I I understand that I'm in the minority and it's getting rave reviews, but I just it's just not for me at all. I did not enjoy it. You're not a fan of, think... like, anarchics, like Sarah mentioned, the young ones. You've well, never... no, 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 no. That sort of tone that it has, you're not a fan of just generally no. anyway, are just, you? So... Just any of that sort of anarchic, let's do this to be, you know, different and out there. It was loud and brash and in your face. I, do I... you realise that this has been written by a, a Muslim oh, abso- woman absolutely, from her own yeah. Absolutely, yeah. That's... You, you're basically denying this <laughs> this woman's life. That's a terrible no, just, thing to say. I'm just saying that on that on paper that she hasn't put it on paper to make me believe the world that she's obviously experienced. I was going to say, have you met women? Because like they're all like that, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I just I just thought that they were they were too archetyped, you know, a lot of them. I will give you that, but they are they are larger than life and they are cartoonish yes. but that's what you need in a comedy you don't want subtle nuanced characters in a in a big silly comedy like this it couldn't relax into what it wanted to be enough for me whenever i was slightly drawn in then it would do a silly fantasy sequence or one of them would be really foul-mouthed then it was just sort of all over the place for me and then it was obviously with the punk element it was loud and brashing in your face and i just Oh my god! It, it, I just love it. I love it so much. I just adore it. A lot of people of do, but things. I, ju- I just do you, couldn't do relax. And do you want now my sort of more balanced opinion? <laughs> what What was it about it initially that made you continue on? I, I just I, I completely disagree that you, that I could never relax into it because I found it to be such an easy watch. I mean, I wouldn't say like I love it as much as Sarah does. The main issue i had with it was the fact that it decides to focus on amina in the most part because i feel like she's the least interesting character i think you're right with that but i think maybe for the muslim audience and maybe for the non-muslim audience as well she is a bit more stereotypical perhaps yeah the most sort of palatable character and actually i think how far are you through the series the end of the battle of the bands where it's all gone terribly wrong for them what will happen next I think that's episode three, isn't it? I think. I think so. From there on, actually, it gets it sort of changes focus, and when it focused more on on Syra, I found it to be a more sort of in depth series, and you sort of understand yeah. that character a little bit more. I, I would think say Syra is probably one of the most unusual looking Muslim women because she doesn't cover her head. She's got very short hair. The communist, the anarchist, the one who's not sure what she wants to do Words with her in life. The butchers and I, I mean, I would say it's very rough around the edges, and I think you know that there are things that possibly they could have improved on. By the end, I felt I understood the characters more. You know, for example, Amina, I think, is almost rebelling against her parents who are quite sort of free and easy, whereas she wants to be more traditional than her mum was. And that's more explained in the last episode than it is early on. And I think maybe 
Luke, for you, you need that sort of explaining straight yeah. away so you can sort of, as you always say, buy just... into the world a little bit more. I yeah, think that... maybe this maybe was the note that they that she was given that of these characters you've got, Amina is the most palatable and probably the best proxy you can have to sort of lead the characters, lead the viewers, sorry, into this world, into the introduction of this punk band. I do feel like the other characters, Aisha Bismar and Montaz, don't get enough time to shine. Yeah, so there's little bits, I think, with, like, story elements, but, you know, I found there to be at least two or three laughs in every episode. I liked its energy. I felt the the scenes that shone the most were actually when the, when the five of them are together. I think there's that scene in episode three where they're all together in like the wild and I thought that was that was really good and and sort of got some laughs going and you know it's just it is really sort of joyous and actually by the end I I you know I was like you know bring on series two I think th- yeah. there are bits you know again that I would change but I, I found it a really fun watch and I think it is something different and I sort of disagree with you Luke really that these characters don't feel real and you know as Sarah said it is based on actual experiences from the from the writer i think it's wonderful to watch these women cast off stereotypes that we have put on them Mm. and that their society their more traditional elements of their society have put on them as well and they're just living their own lives and it's beautiful to see and it's so good for young women to see a reflection of their own badass selves on tv and i find it very inspirational which is not something i think people ever said about the (laughs) in-betweeners i and i i as you mentioned the songs i really like the songs and at the end of episode two when they write that is it Bashir with the good beard that song yeah. and <laughs> based on how you know her, how she's been pursuing uh, the, the the boy the brother of, of um, Aisha isn't it I can't remember his name sort is of he pursuing, I think he might Ashkan, be Ashkan. yeah pursuing him and then actually well why am I doing this why am I putting myself through this because I was thinking that as well and then she wrote the song about it at the end and I was like well that's really clever it's really strange to see a comedy that is so sweet, so silly, so anarchic, and it's full-on funny, but it feels really important too. And like you say, you know, even listening to the songs, you're learning, you're laughing and you're learning, and I love it. I can't tell you how much I love it. And so nice to see them as real, rounded characters, even if they are larger than life. I just think it's really yeah, important no. to see on I TV. Agree with and you. I love it. Before we do another comedy feel-good, we'll just touch upon the three, yes, three episodes of Inside Number Nine that we've missed due to me not being around to record a podcast. These were Lip Service, Hurry Up and Wait, and I don't know what the... the How Do You Plead? How Do You Plead, thank you very much. Lip Service starred uh, mainly Steve Pemberton alongside Fleabag's Sean Clifford. Pemberton plays Felix here, who is pretty certain that his wife is having an affair with her boss. He hires a hotel room opposite where his wife is staying and hires Sean Clifford's character, who is a, 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 a lip reader, to sort of spy on them through binoculars and tell him what's going on and, and how uh, his wife is behaving with this boss of hers. I think we can talk about this in, in greater depth because we've had a bit of time for people to catch up on it. 
I liked it because it was a little bit different. Mm. It was claustrophobic, um, as inside number nines always are. They enter that environment and they can't escape until half an hour later. But I really liked the way that they'd done the dialogue. I thought that was really effective. How the other half of the conversation with Max's wife came out of short mouth. Very clever. While they were were claustrophobically entwined in that hotel room. I liked the German manager. I think maybe it was a nod to Faulty Towers because it was never explained why he had a particular little tiny moustache and a silly German accent. I thought yeah. that was classic inside number nine. Um, I thought that lip service was ending was a little bit silly for me, but I liked mm. how Sean Clifford's character changed from the kindly cardigan wearing lip reader to like the Killing Eve secret service agent in those in yeah. those last sort of three minutes. So that was really good. She's um, sort of yeah. known for playing these sort of upper class, posh, butter wouldn't melt types. And it was interesting to see her. She's quite demure in this role as a slip reader. Quite yeah, quite mousy. Really mousy and really, you know, motherly towards him and understanding of his predicament. And then we find out later on that he's not actually married to his wife, but he's obsessing over her. They've separated. They've never been married. They were... yeah, that's right. They've never, yeah. they've never been married. It was, it was, that, a was a, that was a classic inside number nine as well, because yeah. I don't know, 15 minutes through and I'm worried for her safety, thinking that mm. he is the bad guy. And then they flip it on a dime. And it's just incredible mm. how your sympathies can change inside of that half an hour so quickly. I always have a sense of unease right from the word go. No matter what the, setting is or what the story is it just it's a show that puts me on edge and i like it for that it it doesn't make me feel uncomfortable everybody is instantly under suspicion mm, yeah you don't trust anyone and also what struck me is i may not have enjoyed that first one but i am completely in awe and we don't talk about enough of how not only can they write these twisty turny immediately investable stories but they're also so great at the at the at the performance side of things as well because they transform week on week on week steve pemberton here was was just playing a blind i think this is the best he's been in an inside number nine oh, because this whole yeah. series is a high watermark for him i've never seen acting like it given that he can embody these roles so quickly i think when i really when he he really turns my head was in um, Love's Great Adventure in Series 5, where he played mm. that outstanding but very quiet, ordinary family man. Father. He can do these like math, like stupid, campy, gothic roles as well, you know? Mm. Uh, what I was going to say was, interestingly, it's Reese who's nominated for the BAFTA tomorrow night. Really? Yeah. I think he plays slightly more similar characters in this, though. Yeah, sort of, sort of off-the-cuff weirdo types really yeah they're they're quite eccentric types normally yeah like high camp as well like the hotel manager here yeah (laughs) i don't think reese could have played the family man in that episode you you're you're talking about i don't think he could do that whereas whereas steve pemberton especially in this episode one minute i was really on his side and felt for him and the next minute i was like you say really worried for sean clifford and what was going to happen to her in that dark and miserable hotel room and he can do that what appears to be effortlessly mm-hmm. i think it's yeah. amazing and, I, and he needs to be given all the plaudits and applause for what they do week on week on this show whether i enjoy the episodes or or, or not 
their performances are still something to marvel at. These are the, as you say, sort of the archetypal inside number nines where you're sort of thinking about everything happened after the episodes ended mm, because yeah. that last moment changes your perspective on every like little bit of it from you know the hotel manager coming in occasionally and saying the man in the next room is complaining about the noise and actually you find out the man in the next room is actually a, sn- a sniper and yeah i really enjoyed it as you say sean clifford evolving from the mousy lit reader to the political fixer i suppose she was wasn't mm. she that was sort of her role um, and even explaining you know the fact that she had that video of him and, and had been talking to him online on what was it called dad's yeah. web dad chat or something was it? it's like it's like mum's net but for sad sad old men or something uh, but yeah and i really enjoyed that that one yeah, yeah I think then. it's something that we, we could definitely watch again quite happily because you'd be watching mm. out for those clues that you mm. you know you never caught the first time round. And also normally they would end on the twist but I liked how it ended on the news reports and it made it feel really eerie and really real that you would see this yeah. sort of thing on the news and not think about the people or the collateral damage. Next up then is Hurry Up and Wait all set in a caravan while actor James, played by Reese Shearsmith, is waiting for his big moment on the set of a new ITV crime drama, the caravan belongs to a family, uh, played by um, Steve Pemberton and Mrs Doyle. <laughs> and, and their strange, sort of, not-grown-up adult daughter, who is sort of, I don't know, in a state of arrested development, very young for her age. Drama is about the real-life disappearance of this boy in this local area of which the family are well aware. Twist in this one though is it's the first inside number nine to have a guest actor play themselves. So Line of Duty's Adrian Dunbar is playing the police officer here who um, discovers all the secrets about the family in the drama and is searching for the boy in the drama but we get to see Adrian Dunbar playing a sort of extra style version of himself where it's a bit more exaggerated and he's playing another copper but not like Ted Hastings because he's wearing his hair differently Um, and so really again keep on keeping with the claustrophobic nature of Inside Number Night it is mainly Reese and this family in the caravan and Adrian Dunbar popping in occasionally. This one I was less of a fan of. There's a twist at the end which is creepy but not completely unexpected. The daughter here. We started our company, Girls Who Do Interiors, before we even graduated design school. And we turned to Chase for Business to build along with us. They had everything from banking to payment acceptance to credit cards all in one place. And with the Chase mobile app, our business is wherever we are. It's made for business owners who build to inspire. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Real customers compensated. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank and a member of FDIC. Deck your home with Blinds.com. DIY or let us install. Free design consultation. Plus free samples and free shipping. 
Ho, ho, ho. Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high-quality window treatments with no showroom mock-ups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to Blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop Blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. I didn't buy. And there's a reason why she behaves the way she does. And it sort of didn't match up with having Adrian Dunbar coming in the caravan and being Adrian Dunbar, it sort of was a bit of a cut and shut. The two things didn't really feel like they belonged in the same show for me. I thought it was an interesting choice for Reese and Steve to have an actor of his calibre come in, and then even more so to have an actor like him play, agree to play himself and not one of these amazing characters they've written over the course of the series. This one is not one I'm likely to revisit because I just... Unlike everything else, I just didn't buy it. Reese and Steve are very good at bringing you into a world and, and just letting you explore it and take you along on a journey. And I didn't really buy either the daughter character or Adrian Dunbar because I just found his bits rather cringeworthy. I think the characters here, the family who live in the caravan, were a yeah. lot more sort of League of Gentlemen than, than Inside Number that. 9 usually was, yeah, sort yeah. of. They were grotesque, does. weren't they? I yeah, think. exactly. It was properly weird and it was so claustrophobic that it did make me want to get up and leave the room because <laughs> it was really horrible, the closeness of, of them yeah. staring at each uh, other over the coffee table. Maybe that COVID thing now, people sitting that close, it's like, oh no, it's making me really uncomfortable. <laughs> it could be that as well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I find that from time to time watching old things and you're like, why are they sitting close? Oh, it's because it's 2018 and we could... <laughs> But it was a, a classic reveal at the end. It was grisly. It was like a sort of hammer horror kind of like, I can't express it other than in a noise, you know? It's that, it's that, I, little, I feeling, mean, that little I, feeling of revulsion. I would say that I didn't really get the twist at the end, if I'm honest. No, I, I had to explain You, you explained that to oh, me. Bless that your heart. It, I got the insinuation that it was the daughter who had taken this child, but I didn't know. Do you say there was like a... It was like a skeleton, a skeleton. and I yeah. did see that at all. Yeah, because they focused on her face at the end, and it was like, yeah, she's clearly stolen it. Is there something more to this? And I obviously did miss the the hand bit, but I think this was almost like an episode of of two halves, mm. if you will, two yeah. different. Because you had all the the sort of grotesque stuff, which, like you guys, I wasn't a fan of, but I quite liked all this sort of the insidery bits with Adrian Dunbar. You know, the mention of Jeff Pope, all his dialogue getting slashed. So when you saw the final scene, it was yeah. literally, he was saying nothing at all when they were watching and he, the... you just saw the back yeah. of his head. Yeah. I liked Adrian Dunbar just mm. coming in and being outrageous. And yeah, he looked and like I... he was having a lot of fun, yeah. didn't he? And I, 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 I liked him playing... I, I disagree with Luke in that, because I know you didn't really buy Adrian Dunbar, but he was playing this different version of himself. It's extras-esque, like, like I said. Yeah, like yeah. extras, or I was going to say episodes with Matt LeBlanc. I liked all of that insidery stuff, the runner as well who wasn't really listening to anything that Reese's character was saying and responding to someone in her ear I thought that was all very good and actually it's interesting now that they have cast Adrian Dunbar in an ITV drama as another copper I think that's a, yeah. that's a nice little bit really of like testing real life, in there yeah, yeah. real life sort of casting yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was so funny though because I'm on those 
um, articles that I saw online about him being cast in a new drama, they'd used a still from Inside Number Nine. So I, I like was... that. Yeah, <laughs> I like I that. I have to be really honest, I can summarise the the penultimate episode of the series. This was called, as Matt said, How Do You Plead? It starred uh, Derek Jacobi is the lead role here. This is actually his second Inside num- Number 9 appearance. Famously, the duo don't like to use the same person twice, but he didn't really have a on-screen presence in the episode he was in, and it is... One of the what, most was it, which set. one was he in before? The, the Christmas episode where he's where you oh, think oh you're, yeah he was you the director. You're listening to director's commentary yeah. and then Inside Number Nine does a very Inside Number Nine. So he's not actually it? been on screen. No, no. no. I didn't Do you want it. me to to I walk you through this? I, I was just going to offer the same explanation, go Sarah. On, so I, you, I got, either like of us can one. do it. Pick one, Luke. Pickers, pickers. Who? Oh, Sarah's a guest. Yeah, go on, Sarah. You could probably do better than me. I don't know. So, um, Urban Actually, Bedford Matt. is the... <laughs> no, I'm, jo- I'm joking, I'm joking. Go so, on. do you want one word each? Yeah. Urban. So, yeah. it's Urban Bedford, isn't it? It's a fabulous name, the, um, the, yeah. the nurse. He is a good soul. He is a good nurse. Yes. He's very devoted to what he does. Um, even mm. though Mr. Webster is a grumpy, crotchety old man, this nurse specializes in palliative care and wants to look after this dying man as best he possibly can he gets called back in he misses his friend's concerts but he does mention that he was inspired to be a nurse because of a terrible incident at school where a boy died choking on a tangerine i think it was in front of him and so he was like and that's what inspired me to become a nurse you know and it's it's warm and wonderful mr webster calls him a kind soul so webster was a criminal defense barrister for four 40 years of unparalleled success. On his deathbed, essentially, he confesses to the case of Andrew Waite, which was his biggest regret. He faked a photo to get a guilty man off. So this is where things become really spooky, because it turns out that Webster has done a deal with the devil. And now it's come due. At midnight, of course, in pitch black as all the lights go out. This all lost me. I didn't realise that's what was going on. Okay. Because Webster is a really good barrister, and he basically argues his case in front of the devil to take Urban instead because he's a good guy and therefore his soul is worth more. So that's when they're in the lift and okay, they yeah, flip over really mm-hmm. quickly. I thought that, that piece of direction was beautiful, but you're right, it was extremely dark. So when they flip over magically, the nurse has got no choice, like he is going to be taken to hell by the devil. But then suddenly, Urban confesses. It wasn't an accident that the boy died at school. He killed him. The souls are flipped back and Mr Webster you know, okay. ends up going to hell. Where did it lose you? Did you not understand that Steve Pemberton I didn't understand was the devil? That, no, I didn't, that, that lost oh, me completely. I, I didn't okay. get that. I didn't get that. that, that I thought that was pretty I he was brilliant. He was so sinister. Oh. He can tell he's just having so much fun with these characters. Yeah, but yeah. to be honest, I was genuinely struggling to see it as well at that point. It was dark anyway, and then oh, the yeah. power went off on the thing, and I really struggled to see what was going on. But, yeah, I, d- I didn't get that at all. Yeah, because yeah. the thing about the contract, they kept talking about the contract, and I didn't I didn't know what that was going to be. Mm. I understood that Steve Pemberton was part of it, but unless it's Homer, Homer selling his soul for a donut, or um, that's my only reference. Would it have helped if he yeah. had a pickaxe, uh, you know, the horns and a tail? A pickaxe? <laughs> it's the it's devil not, a lumberjack. Not a pickaxe, you know what I mean. Do you mean... mean... 
the lift was this sort of analogy for plunging to the depths of hell. Yeah. And I, so I you know, is he you, in I... like a purgatory situation then? Basically, he was he'd signed a contract and he knew that this was he... going to be the day that he died. So Steve had basically oh. been keeping an eye on this Webster. But, like, but then, but then, Derry Jacobi's character wasn't ill. Yeah, exactly. So the the devil took away his ailments, took away the disease or but whatever. He put that an amendment in the contract for him to take Urban because Urban was a good soul and he would get more from him right. than okay. this guy who had got all these criminals and murderers off for the past forty years, and he had signed that deal with the devil so he could. Get all that success. Anyone been watching The Masked Dancer? <laughs> <laughs> I follow that. Do, do we want me to explain that to you now? No, I know that. I know how that works. <laughs> I mean, we've had three this series. You know, two weeks at Lip Service and How Do You Plead, and then Simon Says. It's almost like the one-act play where it's the two of them and then one other person, Well, I think really. COVID's played, played a big part in but, that as well. Yeah, but actually it has worked. I, I didn't think you would like this loop because where because of the sort of the supernatural twist in it and i know that's not i didn't your... realize it was <laughs> it was I had no, no they idea. played that they played the supernatural too natural yeah yes <laughs> after a while of watching these episodes you get the sort of beats you get the sort of the initial these are these characters and then there's the first sort of turn when you learn about him seeing the images of the boy choking on the on the orange and then the thing with the contract and then suddenly the devil turns up and then you get the constant switcheroo there and, and ending with him going sort of plunging yeah. down to hell I, and the beats I of this I always episode. find that you you look up at the 15 minute mark because something's happening yeah. which is exactly when in the first episode of this series it was exactly when Gemma Whelan says this is the twist it's not necessarily the main twist but a twist coming at the 15 minute mark so we're, we're all yeah. sort of quite knowledgeable about the rhythms of the programme like you're saying lip service it's it's at that point you find out that they're not in a relationship it's in hurry up and wait you learn that actually this family could be connected to the real story of this drama that they're filming you know you get that initial this is sort of a standard situation whether you know a carer turning up to his patient uh, an actor waiting to be called on set and then actually there is something more going on than just that and then that subverts it again by the end and i think all these do it to differing amounts of success depending on how much you understand but no i really like this and you say the cinematography at the end of this from being just a standard shoot with these two men at a bedside both the stuff with the devil at the end and actually him having that really vivid dream of seeing the boy choking as well i thought that was really well yeah. done and it the, was and very the, visceral wasn't it the satsuma just sort of rolling towards him and then him waking up and finding that, that Derek jacoby's character was up looking at all of his papers and stuff. It felt very Agatha Christie. The wood panelled rooms, the classical music, mm -hmm. Webster being waited on by Steph, his staff rather. The ancient elevator. Steph, I didn't see Steph either. <laughs> Finally, a show that uh, Sarah openly admits she saw a bit of and just didn't gel with. What, what was it specifically you think that you didn't gel with? We're talking about Wait, Feel so Good, which is now on Netflix. I watched the first two episodes of the first series when it was out and new. Um, yeah. And I don't know quite what I was expecting from it. I mean, they did the comedy and then they did the dark elements trauma. about addiction and trauma and stuff. I didn't warm to the balance, I think. 
maybe it was that a is... bit much it was a bit it was a bit too much it was a bit emotional for me at that time you feel a bit like the naughty schoolboy because i said to sarah and matt watch as much as you can before we record and i've only managed two so i feel a bit like a oh naughty i've only watched boy. the first one so you're okay. fine oh. but that was mainly God. due to issues with the internet and and it was buffering really like and me oh, going okay. i can't sit through another one of these buffering at okay. the speed it is just talk about the first one then shall yeah. we uh based yeah, yeah. upon that it's all on netflix all six episodes we pick up with may uh you may remember she you may remember see what i did there she uh separated she left george played by charlotte ritchie at the end of series one and sort of looked like she was going to relapse again we meet her again oh she did this... relapse she did at the end of she? the last episode yeah, she, yeah did. she did she did so we meet her as she's being dropped off at this canadian rehab facility that it would appear she's been to before almost 10 years ago and it's basically her in this rehab unit uh, getting to know everybody and then charlotte richie's george trying to come to terms with not having may in her life and not having a purpose i've seen as i mentioned episode two as well uh, which expands on a relationship that uh, george forms in this first episode with rizzle kickstar yeah Jordan the guy Stevens. from rizzle kicks i was gonna oh. say God, will somebody hit him with a oh, something? No, he's been yeah. doing some stuff on Channel Four that I really like. Charlotte Richie's character, George, you may or may not remember, is a teacher, and she goes to sort of a, a staff party and starts to think about leaving the profession. She even tells that to her head, who is completely off her head and doesn't realise that George is handing a notice in. And she meets Jordan Stevens' character, and they sort of have. A connection because he's got different sexual orientation he's bi and he finds charlotte ritchie really interesting and they start an uncomfortable relationship so that in episode two when may is back from rehab and back in the uk when may goes to meet george she sees a jordan's character coming out of the apartment because i really loved feel good i think i watched it twice uh all the way through a new series is all about reconnecting yourselves with characters you kind of remember you know the basics of but a lot of it doesn't come immediately flooding back and i have to say it took me quite a while to get back into this first episode and what i would say about feel good is although the trauma and the addiction and 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 all of may's backstory is so important what i enjoyed so much about the first series of feel good is it's incredibly funny. It really made me laugh out loud, and not many comedies do that. These two episodes I've seen, they didn't make me laugh, unfortunately. In fact, I found I found a lot of it quite insufferable and quite claustrophobic. And I, and I know Jordan Stevens' character is supposed to be an annoying sod, and he does play that character really well, but I just didn't want to spend much time with them. And I think it's, a lot of it is because... For those first two episodes, May and George aren't together, and those two characters work best when they are together because one calms the other one down, and there's a really nice connection and believability and, and love within their relationship. When they're disparate characters, they can be rather jarring and annoying, and I didn't want to say that about Feel Good because it is one of the 
best shows Channel 4 have ever done, even though they've walked away from it now. Do you think that that is inevitable, though, in a show that's yeah. about a blossoming romance? Yeah. Series 2 is never going to be as charming or warm or you're never mm. going to feel quite as connected to the characters. It is, um, it is sadly yeah, inevitable. The things that yeah. I've watched that reminded me of this as best I can be reminded of it because I only saw a couple. Um, yeah. I was thinking that it's similar to Starstruck, but obviously, you know, much more yeah. serious because of the addiction yeah. issues. And I wonder if we see a second series of Starstruck, which I know is filming now, is coming. Yeah. whether we will still be as warm to the characters. Is this where mm. sort of TV rom-coms fall down a little bit, perhaps? All you want is them to be together, but because there's because there's got to be drama and because this mm -hmm. is a relationship with somebody who is struggling with their own sexuality and trauma and alcoholism and drug addiction and all these things, they're bound to fall apart and drift apart. I wanted them so desperately to be on screen together because that is the magic of the show, this connection they both have. And actually I found it rather insufferable and difficult to watch when they were so disparate. Matt, how did you feel? Can I just ask you, having watched the second episode, do they bring back the characters from the Narcotics Anonymous and things like that? Because I, I felt those were some of my favourite bits in series one. Certainly this first episode that I've seen, it lacked the energy of yeah, it the was first very low, low series. Power, You're right, you know, there was the chemistry between George and May, but you also had her doing her stand-up routine. You also had her going to Narcotics Anonymous. You had those w those really funny web calls with the parents every episode, yeah. you know. And you, you had, had this... a connection with Sophie Thompson as well. Yeah, which... that's what I was saying, the Narcotics Anonymous characters. No, none of those are there. No, as you say, I really like the Sophie Thompson character and their relationship. I think that all worked to have this energy that it kept going from one scene to the other so you weren't bored. Certainly in this first episode, obviously, it was very different because we'd plumped her back into Canada initially mm -hmm. in rehab, then with her parents and then with a friend as well who she knew. And as you say, the scenes back in the UK were quite low energy as well um, with George and her flatmate. And it just all felt like, and, and it also, and I know obviously we had the channel, it was a co-production last time, but it yeah. felt a lot glossier. The way it was produced felt a lot slicker. There was a lot more mood music that I don't think yeah. was in, the, in yeah. the first series. It felt like it had that Netflix sheen on top of it. It didn't feel, you know, I used that with, with We Are Lady Pots. It didn't feel rough around the edges like it did no. the last series, you know. And I, don't, and I didn't know whether that was because we were in a different place and, and when she gets back to the UK, it will feel more like it did the first time around. The whole thing feels unsure to mm. me and it, it doesn't know how to recapture the magic of, of what you're describing. And I think mm. you're right. I think because... I'd forgotten how it used to jump from her in a Narcotics Anonymous and then she'd be on the phone with the folks. There was a, a lovely rhythm riding through it and mm. then there was the awkwardness of their relationship. This just spending a lot of time with Jordan Stevens and he's quite a frustrating person who I wouldn't want to be locked in a room with. And then mm. in episode two, they go to an escape room and are literally locked in the room with um, <laughs> I just, I just, I think, I think what you're saying is that it's lost a sort of authenticity it's its to it, and its charm. It charmed mm. me that that first episode mm. of series one, I was sort of going in expecting 
it to be one thing, but it charmed me. It made me smile. It made me laugh. Uh, this this takes yeah. itself really seriously. The thing with the obviously in the first series that you had as well was George coming to terms with her sexuality, and you know the first three episodes were her saying, "I don't know May. You know who is she?" And they were trying to set her up with another guy or she just split up with someone. So there is that aspect of it as well, which you can't, as you said, you can't replicate that. Mm. But you had that on top of all the different situations that May was in. You had an energy to it. And I think, I mean, the reviews that I've seen have been quite oh, positive. positive. And it's the nature of the beast now that you have to watch all six episodes like we, like we did with, well, like I have done with Lady Parts to truly get the experience of of this series but tv should not work like that you should be on board from the first episode and Which you know was, either, that first yeah. series. normally when luke is critical i will tell him he's wrong but in this case he's right big words <laughs> no i was gonna say i think is it the nature of the beast with modern comedies that have got a very serious strand to them that sometimes mm. they can just tip over into very serious subjects and, and can be a little bit preachy and they forget to do mm. the comedy. Deck your home with blinds.com. DIY or let us install. Free design consultation. Plus free samples and free shipping. Ho, ho, ho! Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high-quality window treatments with no showroom mock-ups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to Blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop Blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay, then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing. Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop off and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today. Um, I think the, the balance of the two is incredible. And, you know, I'm impressed by anyone who, who you know, even gets anywhere close to managing a, a comedy that's so serious. But, yeah, it's really hard, isn't it, to, to be charmed and to warm up to something that's got such a dark, yeah. unpleasant I, heart I, to But it. I, I think even the attempts to do comedy here, the woman in rehab who was, you know, pissing I in the right. I didn't understand that character. That or character made no sense to me. The, the stuff about sort of decluttering the house so they could look after the bees. Or like None you mentioned, made sense to the, me. the headmistress who didn't realise that she was quitting and then has come back again. As you say, the jokes didn't land when there were jokes. The blend last series was a lot smoother and I think, you know, now it's it's purely Netflix and I'm not sure when it's a co-production, who has what say, what elements are there. Now it's purely Netflix. It feels a lot more sanitised than it did. Well, also there's a thing of Netflix famously don't give notes. They just commission something 
have faith in the people they've hired to do the job and they just let them make the artistic vision that they want to make. And I, as much as I loved that first series, I just wonder whether they're taking this second series a little bit too seriously. Mm. And also, I haven't... I've had time today because we recorded later and I just haven't felt compelled to say, let's have a look at episode three. That's yeah. really sad given how much you liked the first series. Yeah, it, yeah. it doesn't make you feel good. It makes me feel <laughs> ambivalent. Right, okay, <laughs> feel ambivalent. It's yeah. all there on Netflix now. Feel That would be your series, I think, Luke. If you were yeah. to ever do a self-pen series, it would be yeah. called ambivalence yeah shall we run through the BAFTA nominations quickly because it's on tomorrow night well uh, just my, quick... that's more you're more than welcome but it's all going to be on irrelevant by the time yeah i was going to say go if out. we do quick if we do quick predictions and then we can find out if we were right or not who we who we think will win and who we want to win i think will be quite interesting so drama series we've got the crown i hate susie gangs of london save me too i hate susie should win the crown will probably win Luke? I echo, I echo um, Sarah's thoughts, even though I was going to call her Susie then. I echo, <laughs> I echo, I echo Sarah's thoughts. Are you, are you trying to tell me that you hate Sarah? No. <laughs> what a I way to tell me. I would agree with you in that I would like I Hate Susie to win. I would edge towards the crown, but I would say possibly Save Me Too might be the, the long shot here as well. They sometimes... BAFTAs mm-hmm. like to throw a curveball rather than sort of honouring the sort of the, the biggest one there. So I think mm. it might go to save me too. Uh, Mini series, adult material, I may destroy you, normal people, small acts. Luke, what do you think? Well, you know me, I love normal people. I respected and admired I may destroy you, and there is no possible way that that won't win the award. <laughs> but our normal people has a special place. With this semi-ambivalent normal person. I May Destroy You probably will win, but I think Small Axe has got a chance as well. Luke's got a real issue with Small Axe because he can't, can't work out if it's TV yeah. or film and it's giving well, him a it, headache. It's won film awards <laughs> and it's been on best film list. Oh, and, yeah. oh I see. But in, yeah. in terms of BAFTAs, it it was it was the TV rather than the film. It wasn't, but some people have, and it, that's happened before, but never to the extent where you know you've got basically six films here as a, as a mini series, and and I think I would agree agree with Luke really that I may destroy you will win, but would like normal people to win. Best actor: John Boyega in Small Axe, Josh O'Connor in The Crown. Papa As You Do in I May Destroy You, Paul Meskel in Normal People, Sean Parks in Small Axe, and Wally Zuiter in Baghdad Central. This one is is less obvious to me, but I think Papa As I Do for I May Destroy You, I think, would be... If I was giving out the prizes, that's who I'd give the prize to. <laughs> yeah, and do you think, think he'd win, or do you think someone else will win, or who's... I think I don't know. Win, I didn't. I, I didn't see normal people, so I couldn't. Uh-huh. I couldn't comment mm-hmm. to Paul Mescal's performance. But I why think, did you not yeah, see I... normal people? That that should be. Required, Luke, you know it? how I feel about TV rom com stuff, especially oh, it's not soppy students. No, soppy no. students being soppy at each other. Yeah. I'm not you might. You might feel <laughs> the same way. My my uh, my mum's review, who I think what well, she she sort of scowls the eye player to find something to watch while yeah. she's eyeing. What and her, she her her critique was there was too much bonking. Oh, no. Oh, dear, I can't say this on a podcast that my parents might listen to. I was going to say, I don't mind a bit of bonking, but I don't want people 
making moon faces and, and crying over each other and there being a long distance relationship mm. and people mooching around and being sad. And that's what depressing uh, black and white films are for. No, I think Papa Ezidu will win and should win for that mm. performance because I thought his character was just so straight laced and important to that story. And um, I think he will win and should win. I think. Paul Maskell's going to win this. This will well, be, be happy the one. With that. Yeah, this will be the one thing that normal people wins. I think, like you, Luke, I would be happy with that. I thought Papa Residue was the best thing about I May Destroy yeah. You. The only other person I could possibly see in this go to is Josh O'Connor, just because the Crown yeah. gets a lot of love, but it hasn't got as much love here as it does with the American Awards. You know, there's no nominations for Olivia Coleman or Gillian Anderson or um, what's the name of the late the he plays Princess Diana, it's Emma Corrin. So there's less love here in these nominations. But Best Actress, now this is a hard one to call. We've got Billy Piper, I Hate Susie, Daisy Edgar Jones, Normal People, Hayley Squires, Adult Material, Jodie Comer, Killing Eve, Letitia Wright, Small Axe, and Michaela Cole, I May Destroy You, which is the four of those I did predict at the BAFTA, so I'm quite smug about that. Yeah. No, you mean you're so, extra smug. Extra you smug, Luke. <laughs> I would personally, if it were up to me, I think Hayley Squires did an incredible job over four episodes of adult material with that character. It's going to go to Michaela Cole, but if it was up to me, Hayley Squires, I just think she does a masterful job of making somebody who could be a difficult person for people to care about. She does it so effortlessly, and I loved her from the very start. It would have been her for me, but it will be Michaela Cole. For me, it's a toss-up between Billy Piper and Hayley Squires. I wouldn't know how to choose between them, but I, I would say that... How do you choose between yeah, those? I would say that the adult material is something that I'm not going to forget for a long time. I think Michaela Cole's going to win. Most of these I would be happy with them winning. I don't know why Jodie Comer's here, because the last series of Killing Eve was pants. The four that we've mentioned, I think Billy Piper, Daisy Edgar-Jones, Hayley Squires and Michaela Cole... You can make an argument for any of those winning it. I think, gun to my head, I was most surprised by Billy Piper. I really liked that. I mean, she was sort of playing a version of herself to an extent. But yeah, Michaela Cole's going to win this. You know, I think that's the one that's the most sort of certain I'm on, I think, here. And in supporting actress, we've got Helena Bonham Carter for The Crown. We've got Layla Fazard for I Hate Susie. Raki Iola for Anthony, Sienna Kelly for Adult Material, Sophie Ocanado in Criminal UK, and I'm going to butcher this one, Ruchi Opia in I May Destroy You, who played Terry. That was a great character. I would love it to be her. She was such an interesting character, and their friendship felt so believable and rooted in reality. And, and Sienna Kelly, because again, she's a fresh face, she goes on one hell of a journey through that show and become somebody entirely different and never lost me. I think she did a brilliant job. Leila Fazard, yes, but also I think that was the character when the series shifted into her, I found myself less engaged. So either of those two that I mentioned, I'd be chuffed with. I think Helena Bonham Carter is unlucky 
because that looks like a really, really strong category there. Mm. And I, uh, in a way that the Crown used to, I don't think they've got a chance of sort of mopping up I, all the awards I'm this time around. It's a Gillian, really strong gear. Yeah. I, I was just going to say, I'm shocked Gillian Anderson's not there because everyone loved her performance mm. as Margaret Thatcher. I'm shocked. I think again, I thought it was a very hammy performance. Mm. I think yes, she she was doing a sort of Michael Sheen, wasn't she? She mm-hmm. was sort of like pantomiming the character a bit, but it, it was, yeah, unsettlingly good. <laughs> I think it is going to be between the two Luke you singled out. I think either Sienna Kelly or I'm not going to say the actress's Come name on. again. The, the lady who played Terry in I May Destroy You. And I think it might go to her because I think it is going to be quite heavy on I May Destroy You. I think, mm-hmm. you know, they'll lose out on Best Actor. The, there's the other, there's a lot the, of love for that programme, you know? Yeah, the other character, <laughs> the other categories I think it's going to do well in. Uh, moving on to the comedy side of things, Best Male Comedy Performance, we've got... Charlie Cooper in this country, Guz Khan in Man Like Mabeen, Joseph Gilgan in Brassic, Kuti Gatwa in Sex Education, Paul Ritter in Friday Night Dinner, and the one I just mentioned, Rhys Shearsmith uh, in Inside Number Nine. I mean, Paul Ritter deserved it, but do you think that they'll be swayed by his recent tragic death? I, I would plump for that, that it's possibly going to be Paul Ritter as a posthumous yeah. Paul, award. Paul Ritter was always good in everything. Mm. Loved him in No Offence. Um, loved him even in when he was in Fear Era. I thought he was very yeah. good. Yeah, Go he on. always elevated whatever he was in, didn't he? Yeah, so are you saying you want him to win and you think he will win, or have you got other favourites? Um, uh, I'm going to say Nkuti Gatwa from okay. Sex Education. Brilliant. Sarah's Luke. right, but it's the last time for Charlie Cooper to win for this country. But yes, Sarah's yeah, right. Yeah, that's it true. Will go, it will go to Paul Ritter as probably it should. Charlie, I don't think, has been nominated before. It's always Daisy who's nominating Charlie, not nominated. Um, and really, one w- would not work without the other. Female comedy performance, Amy Lou Wood for Sex Education, Daisy Haggard for Breeders, Daisy May Cooper for This Country, Emma Mackey for Sex Education. All oh, these names. <laughs> I wanted to do it. I know. I'm going to go Bemi Sola Ikmelu for Famalan and May Martin for Feel Good. Luke, what is your feelings on this? I'd be happy for May to win it. That is obviously for the first series, and I, I just spoke about my my love for that. But also, as I said before, it's Daisy's last chance to win for this country, and that mm. third series of this She's country. won before, though. Well, mm. let's give it to May then, if you're not. Yeah, yeah. Fine. Do you think May will win it? Who do yes, you think will win it? I do yeah. think May will yeah. win. Yeah. Yeah. I've not actually seen Breeders, but Daisy Haggard is great, and yeah. I love her. I'd like in... her to be nominated for the other thing that I can't remember the name. Yeah, of. that you feel so strongly about. It's called yes, Back the to one, Life. The one where back she's life. I knew it had life, life in the yeah. title. Yeah. No, um, Back to Life. I loved, and mm. I can't wait to see the next series of that. Yeah. Yeah, I think Luke's got it. I think May yeah. Martin will win. Yeah. And I agree. I think May Martin, and I'd like her to win it as well. Scripted comedy, Ghosts Inside Number Nine, Man Like Mabeen and This Country. I don't know who deserves it more. Uh, probably, probably Ghosts, just because it's got a special place in my heart. And Do they know that though? It's, it's the all... BAFTA voters. <laughs> <laughs> and, who, yeah. and who do you think will win? I think they've all got a really good chance, but I think it's probably a toss-up between Inside Number Nine and this country. Yeah, I think Inside Number Nine deserves it for originality. We Although we weren't week. big into the last series, were we? Although and that's series what... five had some dips mm. for me. I think it'll either be. I think there's a. Although it's not for me, there's a swell of love 
for ghosts and it is the last chance for this country to win. So for me, it's going to be between those two. I would like this country to win. I'm going to go out on the limb and I think Man Like Mabine might win. Best feature, I would say. I think Sarah probably watches a lot of these. I Don't ask me why. We've got Mortimer and Whitehouse gone fishing, The Repair yes. Shop, Long Lost Family Born Without a Trace, and Big Zoo's Big Eats. You're right, I do watch a lot of these. <laughs> <laughs> people are nuts for The Repair Shop, and yeah. it hasn't suffered terribly from COVID restrictions. They've things been able always to, need to, to be repaired. regardless. Exactly. Probably been a bit of a highlight for people, and it's been keeping them going, but my standout show is Mortimer and White House Gone Fishing and that deserves all the awards and I love it so much yeah I would agree with that I think, it, I think it will win this year because it, it missed out last year and I saw them their sort of acceptance oh, it did, thing, didn't it because they were in tuxedo standing in a river if I remember they were I remember that <laughs> unanimous yep ditto yeah. unanimous yeah conversely I think these are ones that Luke's watched a lot of apart oh. from MasterChef The Professionals, Best Reality and Constructive Factual also features Race yeah. Across the Road, The World. <laughs> well, I was going to say yeah, Race Across the Road. But that be, that's the COVID version. Race Across the World, The School That Tried to End Racism and The Write-Offs. Got to be Race Across the World, I think. But The Write-Offs was a lovely show that I wish we'd What's covered. That? that was Sunday Toxvig helping people of all ages, well, mainly middle-aged people like us and a bit older, who'd never learnt to read or write and it was really impacting their lives and Sandy Toxvig helped them to learn to read and write through a series of tasks. It was just so lovely and warm and like a proper big hug and I thought that was Yes, I, I remember that one and I thought when I saw it was uh, coming, I thought this could be pitched really badly. No. It was warm and it was done really well with, with like, you it. know, expert teachers. It was really good. But Race Across the World... At least it's Sony in its second series. It's still really exciting. And I am looking forward to Race Across the Road. Race Across the Road. (laughs) Moving on to sort of my area. Tell Matt doesn't edit the podcast, can you? Which is, just not edit any of this? Best Daytime, it's sort of my Sophie's choice between The Chase and Richard Osman's House of Games. Mm, um, we've also that's a got, tough one. Yeah, Jimmy McGovern's moving on, and the Great House Giveaway are the other ones. You know, this last year, I have loved House of Games, and I know you're a fan as well, aren't you, Sarah? Such a big fan. Yeah, Luke, any any thoughts Vito, here? I want to be able to leave this room at some stage. Okay. Last, last, <laughs> last one is Best International, which is an odd Ooh. mixture. Yeah. Little America, Lovecraft Country, Unorthodox, and Welcome to Chechnya. The Gay Purge. I have no idea what that is. It's a BBC Four Storyville film. Oh, it's Storyville on BBC okay. Four, yeah. Okay. It has to be, for me, unorthodox all the way. Uh, should win, will win. Mm. Love it. Agreed. Um, Lovecraft Country was great, but it was so intense that I only watched the first couple of episodes and then had to go away for a breather, <laughs> which I think is, is a problem with some of these dramas, you yeah. know? Um, it's like, like next year, the Underground Railroad will probably be yes, in that category. Exactly. And I still won't exactly have seen I was thinking the of. second episode by then. They're dealing with all of the same themes of race mm. and it's dark and it's heavy and exactly as it should be, it's more education than entertainment almost. My vote here is definitely 
definitely for an orthodox without a doubt i'm so pleased you told me to watch it because it was brilliant why is the queen's gambit not on this list yeah often the international program bafta is an odd combination of things and they seem to dodge all the big successful shows the mandalorian has made it into the must must see tv moment thing but Mm. isn't on here you say the queen's gambit you know you've got like a bbc4 documentary you've got um little america which basically nobody watched unorthodox which is probably the the, sort of the most known one here and lovecraft country so it's an odd combination of shows there you go luke that's it okay that is it for the podcast not only for this week but for the next coming weeks as i head off to to sidmouth on holiday mainly because it's uh euro season so there's literally nothing on the on the i'll be glued to the telly watching the football come come on the footballs (laughs) that is my say come on football head towards the net please (laughs) i don't do you know i don't know if you know this we have mentioned this several times on the podcast that luke used to host a sports radio show i did not know this and that's how i found my love for teletext were you just bluffing the whole way through? That's outstanding. Yeah, you just read stuff off teletext, didn't you? Is that yeah. what you... This has been a very good football game with players playing on a pitch. <laughs> yeah. With the footballs are coming on, we'll be taking a short break. We'll be back when the TV returns. Yeah. Sarah is online at Sarah Hamstera. I love your little... Your little uh, message on Twitter now that you you say what is it? Vax to the max or something. Vax like to the max, baby. Sarah can be found at deadpixeltest.tv. Is there anything on there that I need to go and read right now? Not yet. No, I am cracking back on now. I've moved house. I think trying to get back into a rhythm of watching a lot of TV and talking about it. <laughs> Matt's at Matt's TV. But it's the Custard TV podcast. TheCustardTV.com uh, is the site. At Custard TV Pod on Twitter for the podcast itself. At Luke Custard TV for me at Matt's TV Post. And Matt, if you want to join us on the podcast so that Sarah can have a bit of a life, then just get in touch and tell us that you'd like to be part of the gang, be the third voice um, on the pod. <laughs> Luke's always looking for people to talk about lady parts with him. It doesn't have to be just me. <laughs> Luke, Luke's looking for people to agree with him. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. if that's all you... I need to do really is to kick Matt off the podcast to increase yeah. that chance. That's all I need to do. <laughs> but we used to. The thing is, we used to agree on a lot of things, and I don't know what I happened. I would disagree with that, Matt. <laughs> no, when say... it was me, it was normally me and you agreeing, and Gary disagreeing with us. Yeah, but it's, but Gary had some very odd opinions that we had. To... Is it because you've become grumpy old men? Has that got something to do with it? Well, well Luke's become of, a grumpy has, old man, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We will go and uh, be back shortly when I will have had a bit of a break from podcasting and talking about telly. Take care. Bye. 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 Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. Deck your home with blinds.com. DIY or let us install. Free design consultation. Plus free samples and free shipping. 
Ho, ho, ho! Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high-quality window treatments with no showroom mock-ups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to Blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop Blinds.com's Green Monday Sale. Get up to 45% off, plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. La 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 la, Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.